Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about market sell-offs. And specifically, we're going to be talking about this because uh, of Monday's action in the stock market and the fact that a sell-off has occurred. Okay, so I want to uh, dig in a little bit to why these sell-offs happen. uh, And then I want to dig even further into how we should react when it comes to market sell-offs. So stick around for all of that and more, and this will be really useful for your investing life in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, creating financial goals that are specific to you and your family's financial situation, pushing you towards those long-term goals, and then ultimately pushing you towards long-term financial freedom, uh, which is what I hope for every single individual who watches or listens to this show on a day-to-day basis. Now, if you paid attention to the stock market on Monday, uh, and this is coming out on Tuesday, so yesterday, if you uh, paid attention to the stock market yesterday, uh, you were underwhelmed and you may have even been a little afraid, a little scared based on the action of uh, the stock market and of your particular investments uh, because the stock market had uh, a sell-off day. The Dow Jones uh, was down 2.09% on Monday. The S&P 500 was down 1.59% on Monday, and the NASDAQ composite was down 1.06% on Monday. So all uh, of the major indexes, all three of the major indexes were down more than 1% uh, on Monday. And this is uh, a rarity. Now, don't get me wrong, it definitely happens. Okay, It definitely happens that we have market sell-offs, and it should be something that you should uh, get used to as a long-term investor. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that as today's episode uh, progresses. But uh, this is more of a rarity, right? Most days, uh, the market is not going to be up or down more than 1% at a time, right? And if we see that all the indexes are up or down more than 1%, uh, it is worth noting. And especially uh, on the downside, when there is a lot of coverage of the fact Uh, that the market is down by that much because even first thing this morning uh, even before the markets open when you know you know what the futures are doing and the futures are pointing to uh, a sell-off open cnbc had a market sell-off in big red letters and a red banner going across the bottom of the screen right Uh, this is something that gets spoken to a lot uh, is the negativity in the market right we all hear about Uh, the negativity that occurs in the market, and rarely do we hear many good things. Even during good times, we tend to hear a lot of skepticism and a lot of negative things, and uh, I can even fall into that from time to time and really listen to those negative things because uh, we all want to know when things are going to turn bad, and we all want to react to things turning bad. But the truth of being a long-term investor is that uh, it's far less about uh, trying to get out before things turn bad, or it's far less about 
uh, trying to time the market well. It, and it's far more about being able to handle these sell-offs in the proper way and then move on in your financial life uh, in a way that's going to be beneficial to you. So I would like to start today with talking about specifically what is a sell-off. And so uh, a market sell-off is when investors sell a large volume of securities very quickly. And if any of the major indexes is down more than 1%, a large volume was sold, okay? Now, there's no formal definition that separates uh, a sudden onset of a bear market from a sell-off. Instead, it's a loose term referring to a period when investors are far more eager to sell than to buy, right? And anytime we see any of the major indexes down more than 1% a day, there were a lot of sellers out there. People were a lot more eager to sell than they were to buy. A market sell-off can occur in any traded asset and may vary in scope, right? They can encompass an entire market at once. And this is what happens, for example, during stock market crashes. Now, don't get me wrong. Monday was not a stock market crash. I would not uh, call it a crash at all. Okay, uh, crashes have occurred. We've seen crashes and we've even seen crashes that occur within a day. Either they're flash crashes or uh, the market hits the uh, you know, circuit breaker levels of down over 7% or down over 13%. Or, you know, in 1987, when the market was down uh, over 20% in a day, right? Uh, those are actual crashes. These small moves uh, of 1%, 2%, uh, even though they are significant and they are a bit scary, especially relative to the normal moves of the market, uh, they are not anything to just be uh, overly concerned about at any particular time. Now, obviously, if you have multiple days in a row of 2-3% losses, 1-2-3% losses, and it continues in that way, yes, it can turn into some very significant losses. But for now, right, we're not calling this a crash. This is nothing more than what I would characterize as a sell-off. Now, sell-offs can also occur in a narrow manner, uh, applying only to sectors, industries, or individual assets. In that case, investors would likely refer to a specific asset sell-off. Uh, the term market sell-off typically refers to when investors sell assets across an entire market. But what happened on Monday is what I would characterize as a market sell-off, uh, even though uh, the entire market didn't sell off in the same way, right? All industries, all companies, uh, not all companies, but most companies seem to be down uh, some significant amount today, but uh, some were hit worse than others. And the ones that were hit worse are those that are most sensitive to COVID-19 because uh, that's why the market was down. The market is still sensitive uh, to the Delta variant and to uh, the spread of COVID-19 uh, that is occurring right now. And so uh, the market being afraid of that, obviously those stocks are going to sell off worse, but uh, the broader market also sold off. So some of the companies that still might do well, and we saw this last year, right? We saw this when COVID hit last year, the entire market sold off and it crashed, right? the entire market crashed, uh, even though there was you know, no reason for the entire market to crash. There was a reason for certain companies to crash, but the entire market should not have. And then a lot of companies had really, really good returns out of the bottom of their stock last year, okay? So uh, this particular sell-off is because of COVID-19, uh, and you could say that it is uh, relegated to those stocks that are most sensitive to COVID-19. So let me give you an example. If investors began quickly selling stocks across the entire stock market, or even the New York Stock Exchange, this would be considered a market sell-off. But if investors began to quickly unload stocks of, let's say, uh, Microsoft or Apple, right, this would be a sell-off in just that particular asset, right? But that's not what we saw today. We saw a broader sell-off. Now, market sell-offs virtually always cause prices to fall. 
as traders sell their securities quickly, the prices of those securities tend to drop equally fast. Now, this is pretty obvious, right? Uh, we wouldn't call it a sell-off if we didn't actually see that the selling was occurring. And the only way that we really see that is if we, uh, we observe it in the particular price. Okay. In fact, market sell-offs often drive prices too low. In the wake of sell-offs, uh, there's often a period of correction during which prices rebound to some degree. Okay, And this is what makes sell-offs uh, really valuable to individual investors. Because the market tends to overreact, right, and because uh, the market tends to go down further uh, than what it needs to go down for a particular uh, set of news or for uh, something that's occurring within a company or uh, within an industry or the market as a whole, uh, then sell-offs really leave us in a place where we can make some really cheap buys. It leaves us with discount securities that we can purchase. And that is a really big opportunity for investors that we'll talk about a little more as we move forward today. Okay. Now, this is because that the price of most securities on an open market is determined heavily by supply and demand. And when demand uh, is driven down so, so much, and there's a high supply of a particular uh, stock out there or a particular asset out there, uh, then that price is going to drop. Okay. And it's likely that that price will drop more uh, than it actually needs to over some period of time during the sell-off. Okay. Now, at the same time and relatedly, a sell-off of the interested sellers in a market uh, will outnumber the interested buyers. This is the definition of a market sell-off. More people are looking to sell the security than are looking to buy it. Okay. In this environment, bidding mechanics tend to kick in. The buyers who already uh, are interested can lower their offering price because the rising supply means that they can keep shopping if one seller rejects their offer. Meanwhile, the lack of buyers overall means that sellers have to drop their asking price until they lure new buyers into the market since they can't sell their asset without somebody to buy it from them. Okay, That's, that's what makes particular orders in the market very, very useful uh, when it comes to sell-offs because uh, you can get uh, more favorable pricing for whatever you're trying to purchase. Okay. The resulting dynamic pushes prices lower until the buyers and sellers in the market reach an equilibrium. Equilibrium means kind of like a balance, right? They reach this balance and prices stabilize, uh, and then the sellers regain their bargaining power relative to buyers. Okay. This is an often overlooked reality of markets. At all times, buyers and sellers are two sides of the same coin. Every time one sells an asset, the other trader has bought it and vice versa. So when we say that during a sell-off, there's a surge in traders selling an asset, that means the number of traders initially offering the asset for sale rises. Okay. Buyers accept that offer, but they are responding to the surge in supply caused by traders looking to sell. During a market rally, the opposite occurs. Uh, there's a surge in traders looking to buy and sellers enter the market to meet the demand. And that's something that I think we should really uh, you know, sit and talk about for just a moment is the fact that, of course, anytime somebody is selling something in the market, there are also buyers, okay? But it's who came first. Like It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, the buyer or the seller, okay? And if the buyers are rushing in and there's tons of buyers and the sellers come to meet the demand of the buyers, right? Then that's going to drive the price of a stock up because demand is increasing and sellers know that they can sell for higher and higher prices given the increase in demand. Okay. But uh, if there are a ton of sellers that are rushing to the market, then buyers are going to come in and they're going to try to buy for lower and lower prices because it's more advantageous for them to do so, right? And they'll try to buy for lower and lower prices, uh, which will continue to push the stock price lower and lower, okay? This is why when you talk about uh, limit orders and stop orders uh, in the market, this is how they are used. This big order book 
uh, that's out there of buyers and sellers matching up with one another, right? That's why we don't get uh, the market price that we see all the time when we're trying to just buy a stock, right? You try to buy a stock uh, and you're looking to get that specific market price that you bought it at. Uh, but the truth is you're buying it at the highest price that somebody is willing to sell it at. And then the next person who comes along to buy will buy at the next highest price that somebody's willing to sell at and so on and so forth until all uh, of the buyers and sellers are uh, accommodated, okay? Now, for example, let's say that the stock market entered a sell-off like it did on Monday, okay? This would mean that market-wide, far more people were looking to sell their stocks than were looking to buy them. In this environment, the buyers would have the upper hand. As someone looking to buy stocks, you could bid down the price of any given asset uh, because for any seller who's rejected your offer, there would always be another investor uh, with excess shares to sell, okay? Now, this is why good investors and good buyers uh, try to jump into uh, sell-offs because during a sell-off, you can get a cheap because during a sell-off, you can get a cheap price for something that is uh, a really high-quality asset, and that is really, really valuable, right? Anytime you can buy something that is good for a price lower than what it's actually worth or for just uh, a lower price in general, it tends to be uh, something that is beneficial to do. Okay, that's why a lot of companies, if uh, you know there's been a bear market or a correction or something like that, companies will repurchase their own stock because their stock is on sale and they would like to uh, repurchase more of it and regain some equity and regain some equity and control uh, in the company. Now, at the same time as someone looking to sell stocks, you'd be constantly looking for someone willing to buy them. You might keep dropping your asking price, hoping to attract new buyers, right? This really, really happens if somebody's trying to make, uh, you know, some limit sell order uh, on a uh, sell-off type of day. You may have this limit order in where like, hey, I can't sell any lower than for a particular stock, let's say $30 a share. Right, but the market could go down so fast that your order is not going to be filled. Right, your order is not going to be filled because nobody is willing to buy for thirty dollars a share. Okay, and so this can be problematic for sellers because you can just sit there and hold on to something that continues going further and further down, even though you are willing to sell it, but you're just not willing to sell it at a high enough price. Now, what causes a market sell-off to occur? Like most shifts in the market, a sell-off generally takes on a life of its own. As investors begin to sell their assets, the price tends to fall. This causes other investors to jump in, hoping to avoid taking losses now that prices have begun to shift. These sellers spook still others, and the cycle becomes self-perpetuating. A market sell-off can be caused by a number of factors. Often, it'll be linked with bad news about the underlying asset. Uh, for example, a company or industry reports an unprofitable quarter. It may trigger a sell-off of of the related stock. A bad weather prediction may trigger a sell-off of commodities related to that part of the world, or political turmoil may drive a sell-off in a nation's currency. And what we saw on Monday uh, was a sell-off driven heavily by COVID-19, which is uh, a risk to the market as a whole. Right Now, in all these cases, some event or news has caused traders to reevaluate the fundamental value of their holdings. They trade until the value of the security reaches a level that they believe is stable. Right, uh, So a lot of this selling occurs until the general consensus is that uh, the market has determined some price for an asset that is reasonable for that particular asset. Now, however, just as often, 
uh, as the sell-off will be triggered by what's known as a market correction. This is when prices fluctuate, not because of changes to the underlying assets, but rather in response to the price of securities themselves, right? Sometimes uh, you see sell-offs that do occur just because of valuation, not because there's bad news, not because something negative is occurring uh, external to the particular stocks, but uh, because the valuation got out of whack, because the price uh, was out of whack for those particular securities. So you may see sell-offs for those particular reasons. Now, during a bull market, increases in buying tend to push prices higher and higher. And we've seen this, right? Now, securities get more valuable, which pulls in buyers who want to share in that value. Eventually, the price of a security will grow beyond the value of the underlying asset. In extreme cases, this can be known as a bubble. When that happens, at some point, investors begin selling off their own overvalued assets, pushing prices down to a better reflection of fair market value. Now, many would argue right now, and I uh, heard Jim Cramer talking about today, talking about how uh, a lot of the people who are getting out of the market in this particular sell-off uh, are probably the speculators, are probably the people who have been driving the prices higher and higher uh, for no reason, right? And those are the people who tend to get spooked in sell-offs. It's those who don't know what's going on, who don't really understand what they're owning. They don't really know uh, what's going on with what they're holding and they get scared and they end up selling. Okay, and these tend to be the speculators and we don't want the speculators to just remain in the market all the time because they can uphold prices that shouldn't be as high as they really are uh, and can maintain bubbles that should not be maintained or you know just further inflate a bubble that should not be inflated any further. Now, when this happens, again, at some point, uh, overvalued investments start to get sold off. And some may argue that that's what's occurring right now. As you have some overvalued assets, the market is selling at a very high multiple, meaning uh, relative to its earnings, relative to its sales, relative to its book value. And I've talked about all this recently. I think I've talked about this in Friday's episode, episode 250, right? Uh, these multiples are very, very high. And the fact that the multiples are high uh, means that the market is likely overvalued relative to history meaning that when you get a sell-off, it may bring valuations back down to earth. Okay, so let's give an example. Investors may evaluate the fair price of a stock uh, at $10 a share. This would reflect the likelihood of dividends and other uh, investor payouts, the strength of a company's business model, likely future profits, its current assets, etc. Okay, if the price of that company's stock began climbing to $12 and then $14 per share, it would become less and less profitable to hold over the long run, quite obviously, because you got some returns right off the bat. As a long-term investor, you wouldn't get your money back out of that investment. Eventually, uh, instead, investors would begin selling it off, hoping to capture this inflated value. All right, so uh, what's going on here, what I'm saying is that once valuation gets a little bit out of hand, right, it gets above what it really should be and significantly above what it really should be, your ability to make profits on that particular investment over the long term, uh, it can really go away. Uh, and that typically begins to go away in sell-offs that occur in individual stocks, okay? So this is just a particular example that you could look at. Now, how do we use a market sell-off, okay? What what do we want to do during a market sell-off? If I'm trying to make you a better investor, I'm trying to help you uh, to become better in your investing life, you need to know uh, when a market sell-off occurs what you need to do in order to be the most effective that you can be. Now, three rules in a market sell-off, and they are don't panic, don't panic, and don't panic, okay? The truth is it's impossible to reliably 
and accurately predict market sell-offs. Some investors get lucky and spot things coming, right? Others do manage to accurately identify overvalued markets and trade appropriately at individual moments. However, as a general rule, every investor is trading with the same information. If the conditions for a market sell-off are clear in advance, then traders have generally already priced that into their investments. Prices will have gradually declined in response to this widely available information, making a market sell-off unlikely. Okay, so uh, something that you need to understand as somebody who is trying to invest is that by the time you get the information that large institutions have already traded on and that algorithmic traders have already traded on, right, and that people who can trade in the you know early markets, the uh, pre-market and the uh, after-hours market, if you are trying to trade on that same information and trying to invest based on that same information, you're going to be late. Okay, and unless unless that information creates such a swing in a stock uh, and gives you the the ability to get in at a reasonable price and maybe it happens gradually, it doesn't happen all at once and you get in on the early side of it, uh, then you're not going to make any returns because you are going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the fact uh, that everybody else has already sold. Let me give you an example, right? Uh, you can go back to last year. Uh, the coronavirus crash was occurring and it was occurring very, very quickly, right? The market was hitting its circuit breakers uh, multiple days in a row, multiple mornings. Uh, and they were hitting those circuit breakers before the market even opened, okay? And so basically what this means is that the market, like the S&P 500, uh, if it gets down more than 7%, then the market has to take a pause, okay? They, they can't keep trading. And then they take a pause, and then if it gets down 13%, then they have to pause again, right? If it gets down to 20% uh, in a particular day, then the market will close for the day, all right? But uh, what we were seeing was the market would open down more than 7%, therefore it would open and immediately uh, trading would be paused, okay? After uh, some orders were filled, trading would immediately be paused. And so if you weren't able to get in in the pre-market, right, and you didn't make those trades in the pre-market, then you immediately missed 7% of the downside right there. If you were trying to sell something or sell the S&P 500 or sell some individual stock, right, if you're trying to do that at that particular time, you would have missed 7% or maybe even more depending on the stock that you were trying to sell at that time, okay? So given the fact uh, that that was occurring and that we were observing that in markets, Okay, that shows you that you do not have a timing or informational advantage. And in not having a timing or informational advantage, then you can't look at sell-offs as the uh, you know time to let me sell before everybody else does, or let me you know sell before it hits its bottom, or let me you know try to you know swoop in and and buy at the absolute perfect price. Now, this not does not mean that you should not buy and buy uh, at reliable prices. This just means that you're not going to get the perfect price at the perfect time, and you're especially not going to do so when you are trying to sell whatever you own. Okay. Now, some people again can accurately identify trends and markets. Uh, but it is very, very difficult. And many people can determine that markets are overvalued or undervalued, but who's to say that those markets or those particular securities, the stock, whatever, uh, should uh, adjust based on what you think or should adjust uh, based on the fundamentals? They don't have to, and they don't have to in a timely manner. We've talked about this before, how you can buy an undervalued stock, right? You can buy you can buy a stock that many would agree is undervalued. But if investors are not treating that stock as undervalued and they are not uh, buying it and increasing the price over time if it's not in favor 
then you're probably going to have a hard time making returns on that stock in the way that you think you are, especially in the short term. Okay, that's why we are long-term investors, not short-term investors, right? Some of the guys, and if you uh, have ever watched this movie, The Big Short, right? Some of the guys who shorted the housing market uh, during the financial crisis, they had the same problem. They were right. They knew what was going on, right? They had the right investment thesis, okay? They knew that this thing was going to pop and that it was going to go down in value rapidly. They just didn't know when because, again, market timing is dang near impossible. And that led a lot of them to the brink of actually getting out of those positions. And some people actually did get out of their positions because it was not profitable to hold those positions over a longer period of time. Okay, so market timing is not going to be valuable to you, especially uh, on the selling side. Now, generally speaking, the conditions for a sell-off are much clearer in hindsight than forecasting. Instead, the best thing you can do to prepare for a market sell-off is to invest for the long term. Okay, the best thing you can do to prepare for a market sell-off is be a long-term investor. Because if you are trying to just do short-term trades and trying to, you know, just trade off of news, again, you do not have an informational advantage on algorithmic traders and big institutions. You absolutely do not, meaning you aren't going to get the most favorable pricing and you're not going to make the returns that you could make otherwise on the information that you think that you have that is so groundbreaking, okay? Now, during a market sell-off, you want to hold your assets. Do you hear that? During a market sell-off, you want to hold your assets. And what you want to do is you want to determine, did this sell-off change the reason that I purchased these assets in the first place, right? Did this change my investment thesis on a particular stock, on a particular uh, company, on a, uh, you know, the market as a whole, on a sector, on an industry? Did it change my investment thesis? Did it change this company's ability to make profits? Did it change this company's ability uh, to earn revenues? Did it change this company's ability to have good management and uh, maintain that good management over time, right? And if it does not change those things, then why would you go about selling it just because it went down? All that tells me is that you don't really know what you own. And even if you know, right, then you don't know well enough because you are easily scared out of your position. You aren't looking at this as a long-term holder. You're looking at this from a very short-term lens. And that's not what you should be doing. You should be looking as a long-term investor. And what long-term investors do during sell-offs is they hold what they have, okay? They evaluate what they have, make sure that what they have uh, still meets the tests of why they purchased it in the first place. And then if they can get some good pricing and they have some what we call dry powder on the side, meaning uh, you have some money on the side that you can invest, then by all means, buy things at a discount, right? Buy good companies at a discount. Buy the market at a discount, right? If the market pulls back 5 10%, by all means, get in there. Right? If a company that is trading right around the, the value that it, you think it should be trading at, it's not super overvalued, uh, and it's a good company, it's creating profits, it's creating uh, revenues, it's doing all these good things, and it pulls back 10, 15, 20%, by all means, buy you some more. Okay, But you have to understand that if you don't know what you own, you won't be comfortable buying more. You will only be comfortable with selling. And selling is not going to be profitable to somebody during a market sell-off. Hold your securities through the sell-off and wait until trading has normalized before you consider selling anything that may not meet uh, those particular criterion for uh, you holding or buying something uh, once the sell-off is over. Otherwise, you risk taking losses that are unnecessary. And that's the last thing we want you to do. In fact, more than anything else, a market sell-off is an ideal time to buy. 
Okay, during this event, prices will tend to fall quickly and it makes it an ideal time to purchase assets that have likely become temporarily undervalued. And that's the key. Something comes temporarily undervalued. And when it's temporarily undervalued, that means you have a temporary amount of time to purchase that thing before it comes back to its actual intrinsic value or above that intrinsic value and becomes overvalued. Okay, this strategy is known as trading against the market and or buying the dip. Okay, if you've heard buy the dip, what buy the dip means is that when something good, something of quality falls below uh, its intrinsic value, then you should buy more of it and you should buy more of it and you should buy more of it. And that is how people make really outsized returns in the market over a long period of time. They buy undervalued things and let those undervalued things appreciate in price over time. Right? It is a great way to make money and you should absolutely do it. As long as you have built an investment plan that lets you hold your position through short-term fluctuations, it can be extremely worthwhile to buy the dip. Okay, You have to have a good investment plan and you have to have the wherewithal to hold through a sell-off. Right, You can't be somebody who's just ready to sell, ready to sell, ready to sell. Because guess what? The only people who get hurt on a roller coaster are those who jump off. That's a Dave Ramsey quote, right? Uh, you do not want to be jumping off of the roller coaster. You want to hold on. You want to hold on to what you have because likely, uh, especially in short-term sell-offs, there's going to be a sell-off. And then guess what? The value of your money will be back to what it was in a relatively short amount of time. And if you bought some during the sell-off, then the value of your money is going to be even higher uh, because you made really, really good returns on what you bought. Now, this doesn't mean that you should buy into bad assets, right? You shouldn't buy into things that don't have good long-term value. Again, we are long-term investors. We're not trying to make short-term gains on what we own. We're trying to make long-term gains. So you should buy into good long-term assets. And if a company's stock is in free fall after reports that it's had a bad product or poor leadership, right? Those are the types of things that I'm willing to let go. But again, you want to do so when the trading normalizes and there's not just a frenzy around uh, that particular company's trading. Now, if the stock market has entered a general downturn, then you need to take a look at your cash on hand uh, and be ready to buy more because over the long term, the stock market has done one thing and one thing only. And it tells me now that it's only going to do one thing and one thing only over a long period of time. And that is continue to go up in value. So sell-offs may not be something that's predictable. They may not be something that is comfortable, but they can be something that is profitable. And that's why I want you to understand what they are, understand what's going on, and understand uh, that if the market drops enough or a particular stock drops enough uh, and it is of good value, then you should buy more and you should profit off of other people's fear. Like Warren Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. And that is exactly what I live by in my investment life and exactly what I think you should be doing, especially during uh, market sell-offs and especially if this sell-off that we're having uh, accelerates any further, especially in stocks uh, that have really, really good value and can uh, be really good long-term growers for you in your portfolio. So thanks for watching this episode. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Uh, just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching. Uh, and me and you can begin working together, building financial goals that are specific to you and your family situation, uh, and then pushing you on towards attaining those goals and towards reaching long-term financial freedom. 
So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.